0: Start and end your day with the good news. The good news with Angie Austin. Find the podcast of past shows at AngieAustinRadio.com. Now, here's Angie Austin and friends with the good news.
1: Well, praise the Lord and God bless you today. This is Beatrice Bruno, the Drill Sergeant of Life. And you know what? It's just a good day to be a friend. But I got a question for you today. Are you a friend? Can God call you somebody else's friend? And the reason I asked that question is because a, a, a good friend of mine, she said to me that she was having a conversation with God. And he said, your friend thought about you. And at first I was like, well, who is she talking about? And then I realized she was talking about me and I I thought about it later on. I said, God called me her friend and what a Jesus said, he is our friend. Hmm. And so for us to be called by God, (laughs) a friend of somebody, that's a a high honor and privilege. Hey, I, I'm just I'm just excited about that. Oh, I'm yeah. excited to be sitting here with Leslie and Doug. And um, how y'all doing today? Super good. good. How are you? Good. I, you know something, y'all look good. They've been on vacation, y'all. <laughs> <laughs> and they got some sun and fun in, and, and so they're looking good this morning, looking all fresh and and refreshed and rejuvenated and vital. Come on, let's go run a 5K. Let's do it. Uh uh-oh see i'm (laughs) I'm not sure we're all here see
2: (laughs) (laughs) doug you didn't say anything you didn't say
1: anything about running that 5k he's
2: pulling up the rear
1: oh that's what it is okay well just throw some water on me when i pass by you just (laughs) throw water on me but you know just thinking about friends and and what is it like when god says somebody is a friend and Mm. a, a friend is not somebody that that they intended to be that way I don't think I, I really don't because sometimes I mean yeah Jesus Jesus decided that he was going to be our friend okay and there was no two ways about that and he said I am your friend but with the people in our lives today how do we know if they're friends or not hmm. and and for God to say something like to my friend well your friend thought about you that just Leslie it blows my mind hmm. it really does mm-hmm. because What does God say in conversations to others about you?
2: I never, ever have even thought like that. Yeah. That's cool thinking.
1: Yeah. 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 And, you know, Doug, when you think about it, how does God talk to Leslie about you? You know, and it's it's something that we need to Mm. consider. Mm -hmm. You know, what does he say? When he told the devil about Job, he said, have you considered my servant, Job? Mm Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. Okay. What is God saying about us to other people? Mm. You know, what are we saying about ourselves to other people? Mm -hmm. Because, see, God has something entirely different in his mind about us than we do. We can say, well, I'm not very smart. I'm not very pretty. I'm not very this. I'm not very that. But God is saying, look at my child of excellence. Leslie is excellent.
2: Mm -hmm. Well, and like a proud father. I just have an image of a proud father. Yes. Who... While he talks to you personally, he also, when he's in the crowd of others, is just going, I'm just so proud of her. I just love her. Yes. Have you seen what she's done lately? Mm.
1: You know, mm. I love that mm. image. Oh, I can shout on that right there. <laughs> Cause that's just good. That's flat out good. And, and you know, it, it brings to mind, um, this, there's this good news story we're getting ready to listen to about a young man who comforted a son, uh, this, this family, um, their son was in a, a very bad accident and, um, he was at the point where he was getting ready to pass away and this young man that didn't even know him that's why i say do we really know what a friend is and a friend isn't somebody that you may have grown up with it may be be somebody that may come to your time of need right there on the spot
3: through twenty two in august 8th, which is the day that he had passed
1: two young men both twenty
4: two years old connected through tragedy
3: it was my birthday and i i just I've never seen anything like that in my life, and I had I had to stop and make sure that, you know the person's life was okay.
4: Corey Helton met Nicholas Kreibaut during his last moments in the middle of 4:35 after a terrible car accident on Thursday. Now Nicholas's grieving family is meeting Corey for the first time. So many emotions. Um,
5: when I met him, I I didn't want to overwhelm him. I was a little nervous. This is a lot for him. This is a lot for 22-year-old to have to see, to lift through. So I, I tried to think about that. But then I hugged him, and all I could do was cry.
4: Corey says he was two cars behind Nicholas, and after the crash, ran to find Nicholas struggling to breathe. Corey lifted Nicholas's head.
3: I was rubbing the back of his head, you know, and I was, like, kind of tapping the back of his head, letting him know, you know, someone's here for you, and that, you know, that... You're not alone.
5: Know somebody else that was there that could do that for them. There's no words. There's absolutely no words. It, it was destiny.
4: While they'll never be able to hug their son again, they say having Corey is the next best thing. I feel the comfort
5: of Nicholas. I really feel the comfort. Um,
1: and that's, that's enough for me at this point.
2: It just well, makes yeah. us cry every time
1: here. <laughs> <laughs> I mean... Just think about it. Okay. This woman lost her son, but she she's comforted in the knowledge that somebody was there. Yes. A friend, if you will, was there at that last moment to raise his head up and Ugh. say, hey, I'm here for you. Yeah, girl, I Ugh. know. Goodness, doesn't it's it just touch much. your heart? It's too much. Mm-hmm. Oh, my I know. gosh. We've just I mean, been joined by courageous. our good friend Donna Hetzler and, and, Hi. and he came in on the to- the back end of yes, it. Yes,
5: but-, but it was an emotional jerker, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah,
1: it really yes. was. Yes. And poor Doug, I see you sitting over there, brother. <laughs> Are you cheering up? I'm awake.
3: I'm awake. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just thinking about all the opportunities we have knowing Jesus to be uh, a friend who gives somebody a stranger a nice word or a... Uh, comfort somebody at that level, which is really meaningful. But we have opportunities all the time to, right. to to be the light of Jesus to the world. That's right. And that's exciting to me to think that God sees me as a friend to a stranger. Amen. I never quite thought of it that way, but you know, to my friends, of course, I'm a friend. But to the stranger in time of need, mm-hmm. I'm equally a friend. Amen. That's Amen. And and that's what I believe
1: is that's what it's all about is being friends to to each other even when we don't know each other you know Hmm. think of the power of a little child transferring from one school to another going into that classroom for the first time not knowing anyone Mm -hmm. not even the teacher Mm -hmm. and then some little girl a little boy that's sitting at a a desk adjacent to them saying hi my name is connie I wanna be your friend. Mm-hmm. Can you imagine the impact of that? Can you imagine the impact of, of somebody that's lost, that, that has no one, and you are given the opportunity to say, hey, let me help you with that. I'll be your friend. Absolutely, and not even a young child, right. but as adult
5: men and women, we uh, the Jericho Girls have a closed Facebook group called Jericho Girls Connect. And we just had somebody join our group. And we were asking about who's your best friend for the month of August. And how long have you known your best friend? And one woman said, I haven't had a best friend in 37 years. And I don't know how to connect or what friendship looks like. Mm. And I just sat there rereading 37. Wait, wait, back up 37 years so you know we welcomed her and said sister you are free to discuss and to be yourself and to just connect with us and it's god gives us that connection and we are wired for relationship. So I said, it's in there, you know how to do it. You've just been with the wrong set of sisters. So welcome, you're here and we're gonna hopefully take her by the hand and teach her how to connect and be a friend. So Beatrice, like you said, not just a young child in school which is such an impressionable age and time to do that but also for those who are broken, hurting and haven't had those friendships in years. Isn't that something? Well, sometimes it's
6: it's way easier even than reaching out and becoming lifelong friends or stuff like that. Uh, another time I took an example from you guys is I was picking up dinner for the family the other day and the girl behind the counter was just, you could tell she was just not mm-hmm. happy. Mm-hmm. And so while she's like, okay, it'll be just a minute. And I said, oh, okay, uh, like, how was your day? Like, are, is everything going okay today? And she just looked at me and her eyes lit up and she's like, oh, it's okay. It's whatever, it's work, whatever. How was your day, you know? And we had a little conversation. And it's not that we're going to become best friends forever. Right. But now when I go back in there, she's going to say, hey, how are you doing? And I think just me asking, hey, how was your day? May have changed her day around because she, her whole demeanor changed as soon as I said that. So sometimes it's that simple.
5: Yes. I look agree. at you go. I'm so proud you guys of you, Dave. I know you guys are learning
6: so much from you guys. <laughs>
1: hey, man. Awesome. Well, David, I I have a question for you because you're the one with the youngest children in the room. Yeah. Okay. How do you teach your children to be friends? Is it something that you as a daddy can teach them? Or is it something that they're going to have to pick up as they go? How do they learn how to do that? Well, I think
6: it's a mix just because, you know they're so young, they're two and four. Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. even my four-year-old who, he tricks me all the time into I expect all these things that I would expect from a teenager from him just because of his attitude and <laughs> just how smart he is and the types of things he does. And then he does something that tr- he acts for and I get okay. so disappointed because I'm like, well, what are you doing? Oh, and I remind myself, oh, you're a four. <laughs> um, so when I try to explain stuff like that to him, you know, and we, I, I think that through just showing him okay. how to be friends, you know, having friends around Showing him how I treat people, how I treat strangers. Him watching me—I think he picks up on more of that stuff yes. than he does on anything that I could coach him through. Yeah. So I yes. think doing like having him stand there when I said, "Hey, how are you doing?" to the to the girl. I think him seeing that would is way more important than me going, "Hey, be nice to your friends" or whatever. Amen. Amen. Yes. Now yeah, we've got
1: another um, good news story. It's about a terminally ill boy who wants to get one hundred thousand cards by his um, birthday. And when we after we listen to that. I want to ask y'all some questions, about, especially about the lady without friends for 37 years without a best friend, you know, and what this, sending this boy 100,000 cards by his birthday, what that's going to do as far as friends are concerned.
7: This card says, happy 15th birthday, Jacob. Jacob Priestley is getting tens of thousands of birthday cards because his wish for his 15th birthday this August is to get 100,000 of them. I
8: love the cards so much because I love that people, just random people, see my
7: story and they write to me. Random people like former President Barack Obama and actor Matt Damon. Jacob has a terminal illness, mitochondrial disease, the mitochondria, which gives the body energy, are dying in his cells. There's no cure.
3: We're trying to get 100,000 people, you know, make them aware that there's, this disease exists and Jake doesn't get all the privileges that other kids do. So, you know, this is just something that we thought that we would do to give him a smile.
7: <laughs> Dad says he'll go out and buy 80,000 cards if he has to to meet that 100,000 goal. Last year, the goal was 10,000 cards, he got double. Meantime, Jake's been getting special visitors at his Arizona home.
4: So I wanted to come and bring you some of our toys that we get to play with at the court division.
7: Jake's life goal, he says, is to make it to age 25. Cards are just what makes me keep going. It just gives me like a warm feeling in my heart. And he's got a world full of people cheering him on.
9: Happy birthday, dear Jacob. Happy birthday to you.
2: Okay. (laughs) Are you tearing up now? We have a 17-year-old Jacob, and I'm like, that could have been our Jacob. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah.
1: yeah. I've asked producer David to see if he's got the address for this, because I want to send this young man a card. I do, too. Yes. You know, and as many people as can. You know, send this young man a card because the the Samaritan, the good Samaritan Mm -hmm. in the Bible. Okay, he saw a man on the side of the road. He was beaten up and he was down, downtrodden, and what have you. And everybody else had passed him. Probably somebody passed along and said, "I wonder if he got any money in his pocket." Okay, the other Mm -hmm. probably passed by and said, "Well, can he do anything for me?" But this one good Samaritan passed by and said, "Hey, come on, let me help you." All right. That's what this is about. That's right. That's what life is about. Because if Mm -hmm. you can't reach out your hand to somebody Mm -hmm. and just help them just for the sake of helping them, then what's your point? That's right. What are you what are you really here for? Yes. Okay. The the woman that, that had gone for 37 years without a a best friend, Leslie, how would you even minister to her?
2: Well, I would want to know her story. That sounds like a story that needs to be known—like how she got there and and the isolation in that, and what she wants now, and giving her hope about being able to have friendship—that that's possible for her. I mean, there's a story there. How did Amen. it not work for her? Amen. Right? You know? Amen. I mm-hmm. want to know. Amen. Well,
5: and she's not alone. I mean, there are so many women who are disconnected. Yeah. We might feel like we have friends because we're connected mm-hmm. on Facebook and social media, but at the end of the day, so many of our Jericho girls are craving that deeper, authentic Mm -hmm. connection, not just fluff talk, let's go to coffee and say, what's on sale at such and such store, you know? Mm -hmm. They want, how's your soul? How are you, sister? What can I do to pray for you? And I think that's part of the friendship, you know, breaking that cycle is, Everybody's out for me. What What's in it for me? How can I benefit from this friendship? Right. And uh, But uh, everybody longs for the
2: same three things, which is to be seen right. and heard and known. That's right. And when you walk around in the world and you don't feel known, mm-hmm. that's where loneliness is. Right. So you have to get to that deep place with each other, that real place of sharing. Amen. B- boy, this
3: is a, an affliction of men, too, believe me. Mm. The average man doesn't have a whole lot of friends. Mm-hmm. And if they do, they're talking about the Broncos mm. and where they're going to win Come this on. Season and who the next quarterback is. So right. you know we don't we don't know how to oftentimes find and engage in really authentic relationships. You were just talking, Donna, about what would go into a conversation. What, what, how's what's your, what's your how's your heart? What, how's your spirit? You know how can I reach out to you? And I think if we have a mindset that God's working through us to touch the heart of anybody that comes our way, let alone our need to have our hearts touched too, that changes the game. It changes the game a lot if we have that Mm -hmm. mindset and we're willing to live like that. Amen. Well, I think Mm -hmm.
6: one way to get that is to uh, put yourself out there and to do those things. Because once you do those things, they come back to you, you know? Yep, that's right. So this is one way to do it. We were just talking about Jacob Priestley. Um, I found his address. So if you want to send him a card, it's Jacob Priestley, P-R-I-E-S-T-L-E-Y, at P.O. Box 855, Queen Creek, Arizona, 85142. So Queen Creek, Arizona, eight five one four two, and then you can also follow him on the Adventures with Mighty Jake on Facebook. So look up, Amen. look him up on Facebook, the Adventures of Mighty Jake. And you, like, it is hard for men to do this. It's hard for men to reach out, but even if it's something as simple as writing Jake Priestley a card, it might, I don't know, open you up to something else or open up some sort of. Something will come back to you maybe somehow just Amen. because you put yourself out there.
3: Well, I think, too, I think if we look at every man or woman out there as a, as a Jason Priestley that needs a card, mm-hmm. maybe mm-hmm. not dying of cancer or what, what that disease is, but there's human need everywhere around us. And nobody's without it. Mm-hmm. So we have opportunities right and left, really. That's a
5: great message. Everybody needs a card every single day. That's right. I like that.
1: (laughs) And you know, we're in such an electronic um, era that we forget how to actually put a pen to paper and write something. Mm -hmm. You know, hey, y'all, we got about three minutes. This time goes by so quickly. And I think all of us have been um, just really just hidden by hit by these two good news stories that we've heard today. So, doug and leslie what's going on with authenticandtrue.com
2: well we're back at it after a week of being away on vacation having a great time in mexico and we come back to of course like more work than ever (laughs) because people have been in wait so Mm -hmm. we're just making that shift back into our practice had big full days yesterday seeing clients and felt great amen and but when
3: when you get away for a week you, and you, you kind of get away from ministry, yeah. uh-huh. it's interesting to step back in yes. and you really know you're calling because it's not hard, it's not necessarily easy, but we're I back know. where we're supposed to be. And right.
2: Good. I'd seen three women in a, in a row and I just stopped and I was like, I forgot even in a week how hard this work is. Right. Meaningful, but very hard. It's draining. Yeah, but yeah, well, to listen intently, you know, and yeah. you're like... Wow! Okay, here we go. <laughs> hey, folks, but y'all get it. in
1: touch with Leslie and Doug at AuthenticAndTrue dot com. They're ready to bless you, mm. okay, by ministering to you and talking to you and being your friends. Donna Hetzler, what you got going on?
5: I'm trying not to be overwhelmed with my overwhelmed conference How's that? <laughs> <laughs> I need to go to Mexico, I think. That is awesome. <laughs> so true. Yeah, so we're just gathering and getting ready for our big conference this year, November 4th. It's at the Hilton Embassy Suites in the Denver Tech Center, and we want you there. Yeah, we, Our whole idea is to... Alter your perspective of what overwhelm really looks like. So find us on Facebook or JerichoGirls.org, and you can come to the conference and get filled up so you can overflow to others and, and be a greeting card every single day, Amen. like Doug says. Amen. <laughs> yes. That's good.
1: That's good. Well, praise the Lord. And how do they get in touch with you about that?
5: They can go to JerichoGirls.org or find us on Facebook, Jericho Girls Connect.
1: Amen. Praise the Lord. And well. this is Beatrice Bruno, the Drill Sergeant of Life. Let me tell you, if you want a friend, you need to know Angie Austin because she is a real friend. She has, and I'm not talking about a fake friend that, that's the, the here today and gone tomorrow. I'm talking about a real friend. She allows me to come in when she's not able to be in the studio and to sit in for her because there's, she's unsubstitutable. But I just want to just give a shout out to Angie and, and say thank you, friend. So this is Beatrice Bruno, The Drill Starting of Life. I will be presenting this Friday at the Cry Loud Spare Not Prayer Summit mm. here in the Denver Metro. If you want more information, come contact me, Beatrice at drillsergeantoflife.com. So, God bless y'all. We love y'all with the love of Jesus, and we will see you next time on The Good News with Angie Austin and Friends.
3: Bye-bye. The Good News of Jesus for you in high-definition radio and streaming at 670KLTT.com. This is KLTT Commerce City, Denver.
6: Hey, this is Producer Dave with The Good News. You know, Angie's always talking about how much she loves YMCA of the Rockies, but I don't ever get to talk about how much I love YMCA of the Rockies. YMCA of the Rockies in Estes Park is located just between Estes and Rocky Mountain National Park. It is the best place. I grew up going there. I went to summer camp when I was a kid. I actually went through the leadership program. I was a camp counselor at YMCA. It is one of the best things. It shaped who I am today. It is really the ideal vacation for everyone. You can do a vacation there. You can have a reunion there. They have weddings. If you wanna take your coworkers there, they have conferences. It is the most affordable thing. You don't have to leave the state to go on a really good vacation. If you just want to hang out, you can do that. Or if you want to go on an epic adventure through the mountains, you can also do that. At YMCA The Rockies, they put Christian principles into practice through programs, staff, and facilities in an environment that builds healthy spirit, mind, and body for everyone. It is so affordable. Go to ymcarockies.org for all the information you'll need.
9: Your next shopping trip could change the lives of some very special people right here in Colorado. When you shop at ARC thrift stores, you'll not only save money, but you'll also give back to our community by helping people with intellectual and developmental disabilities, just like these ARC ambassadors.
8: A lot of people, they have misconceptions about people with disabilities. A lot of them think that we can't do things that other people can do, and that's just not true. We can do what other people can do. It may take us a little bit more time to do it, but we can. We're just like any other human. Human being, we have feelings and we have emotions, and if given the chance, we can shine. And I think that Ark has done a very good job at
9: showing that.
3: I like it there, and it helps me out to learn about reading off the labels and stuff. I
9: like helping out different people, a lot of different people I help out. Find the Ark store near you at
3: ArkThrift.org.
8: It's a nonprofit, and it's a great company to work for, and a great
4: place to shop.
3: And remember, every Saturday you get 50% off most items in the store.
4: Billy Hollowell with Faithwire is joining us and we love having Billy on the program because uh, he gives us stories of hope and faith and inspiration but the uh, one of the top turning stories has to do with Charlie Guard and an important decision that has been made. Welcome Billy. Hey how are you? Oh boy this is a tough one huh?
9: You know it, this is um it's a really depressing and sad story because we've seen Charlie Guard's parents Connie Yates and Chris Gard fight for their child, fight to get experimental treatment, fight on, instead of seeing him be taken off with life support, what we're now seeing is that the family has given up Um, A doctor who came from the U.S. over to the U.K. to examine Charlie has found that his muscles are just too weak, that there is really almost no chance of recovery. Um, And so the parents now, they put out a very lengthy statement, and they also delivered that statement this week in a very emotional press conference. They wrote a little letter to Charlie saying they were so sorry they couldn't save him, but they made it very clear that they believe it was the time, it was the waiting, the ongoing waiting, the fight between the hospital and them. And meanwhile, he's on life support. That really contributed to his inability to be healed. So they're not saying that they think he was, you know, unhealable the whole time. They believe that he could have been healed had the hospital acted faster, and that they were robbed of that opportunity. So there's a lot of elements at play here. Still, um, they claim that the hospitals and doctors in the U.S. and Italy were still fully willing to, you know, treat him before they realized that the muscles had deteriorated. So it's a very sad story, and they've asked for privacy as they say goodbye to their child.
4: You know, uh, here is a family that's raised, you know, last I heard, over $2 million that, uh, you know, that the the high courts in uh, Britain interfered and said, you know, he's just, we're going to take him off life support. He's going to die here. uh, Done deal. Parents have no say in it, which disturbed so many parents on so many levels that someone else could take, make that decision for your own child. And then uh, early on, you're right, uh, doctors uh, here in the U.S. And then you mentioned uh, the uh, Vatican Church also are pardon me hospital also offered to, uh, to help him and they said that uh, at the time they first examined him and I know that back in June you guys were covering this story so it's been a while when they first examined him they said there was room for improvement that they could do something to improve the quality of his life and no one ever said he's gonna be you know 100% they never said that but there was a chance that he could have had better quality of life and lived longer and I think the thing that bothers parents so much is that someone else made this decision to delay the treatment for
9: them Yeah, and this has been going on since October. So you're talking about a delay in treatment that went on for months. Um, Yeah, so. We don't know all those details. We haven't we haven't seen his, his medical documents. I think it would be very interesting to talk with the doctor from Columbia Presbyterian who went out there because right. he has seen, as far as I know, all of those documents, and he would be able to probably say, "Yeah, we could have saved this kid if we were able to do that in December." You know, but here we are, halfway through the next year, and he's been on life support this entire time. So it's a very either way no matter where people stand on this it's a very tragic and sad ending to a very um, emotional story
4: very very emotional all right uh, in terms of uh, other trending stories uh, this one I think is a little more uplifting uh, this has to do with a photo that's going viral and uh, it's another popular story on a faith wire for a very different reasons than Charlie's what's this about
9: yeah, this is just one of those things. Somebody saw something in a Walmart that really moved them, and so they posted the picture on Facebook, and what they saw was a blind man being guided hand-in-hand hand with a Walmart employee who was helping him shop. Aww. And so this you know, staff member is just going out of her way to help this man find the things that he needs, and so this other shopper noticed it. She snapped a picture. She published it, and people are really uh, paying attention to it. It's getting a lot of attention. I think we look for these acts of goodness, you know, in a time when it feels like there's so much chaos going on that, you know, when we find these things, we sort of latch onto them because we want hope, you know, in humanity. And there is hope in humanity when you look out there and you see these stories. So uh, just a, a fun, inspirational story there.
4: Yeah, I thought it was neat, too. And I think that there's so many little glimmers of that there. I feel like there's... um Like one out of 10 kind of like exceptional employees that stands out. There's one little sweet lady when I check out at Walmart, I try to look for her. She must weigh 80 pounds. She's a little teeny Asian woman with the biggest smile on her face. And I'm like, how can she be so stinking happy working as a Walmart checker? And I don't mean like you should be unhappy. I mean, she is happy like she is the queen of England happy. You know what I mean? Like she is. that. So so I check out one day with a bunch of Christian books for uh, a women's conference where I was speaking. And she said oh this is the only way this is how he gets you through he's the one he puts a smile on my face I said I knew it I knew it I knew I knew you were a Christian (laughs) (laughs) so now I look for her and it's like for that lady when I check out at Walmart to put a smile on my face every time like that's a gift you can minister to people wherever you are planted
9: oh absolutely absolutely and and, you you see these things all the time. I was walking in Manhattan today, and a guy um, working at a a doorman, working at one of the um, hotels, somebody dropped money on the ground, and he was screaming after them to pick it up. He could have taken that money, you know, and I'm walking by seeing this guy trying to flag the person down, and I'm thinking, man, you know, there are, you have to look for those good moments. We're so surrounded by the bad, but there is a lot of good out there when you look for, or sometimes you stumble. Walking down the street and seeing that, so it's, it's encouraging when those moments happen.
4: I agree. All right, another story that's trending has to do with a uh, homeless man who was interviewed in 2015, and two years later, uh, well, just give us the, give us the update and give us though the, the
9: background first. Yes, yeah, it's, it's really. Strange strange story about a homeless guy who essentially was at a soup kitchen in December of 2015. A local outlet in Rochester, New York interviewed him, and um, he just gave a couple quotes about how thankful he was for the food or whatever, um, and how he was trying to get back on his feet. Two years later... There was a company that he used to work for who uh, actually had a job at a hospitality company and they were looking for him because they realized, oh my gosh, you know, he had never collected um, a check from them. He basically had an earnings check that was related to the performance of the company. He And he had forgotten about it. So all these years went by, I mean, this was like the 1980s that he had had this job. And they were trying to track him down, so they found the story from 2015 of him commenting as a homeless person now in this story and they tracked him down through that and delivered this big check to him we don't know how much money it is because they haven't revealed that but it's enough for him to put it away for a safety net he's been trying to get his life back on track and so it's just crazy it's one of those crazy stories that had he not talked to that news reporter in 2015 at the soup kitchen on christmas eve this he probably wouldn't have been tracked down
4: wow I love those stories. of are just getting that, you know, little surprise, per se, one of the top trending stories on Faithwire. And this has to do uh, with a lemonade stand. We've talked about this and a pretty big fine that they gave a little girl pretty crazy. And uh, there's a little more on this story now. All right, Billy, give us a lowdown.
9: So this dad out in the UK and we've had a bunch of these lemonade stories that pop up every year where the government comes in and they shut down a lemonade stand because they say, oh, you didn't have a permit. You can't do this. And it's it's just such a crush on the spirit of these young kids who are trying to just make some money, learn the value of making a dollar, and 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 learn the worth of being able to do that and run a little business. So this little girl, she was fined $195. Now, um, this is in the UK, so it was in Euros, but that's almost $200 when she and her father set up a stand. Again, five years old looking to learn the value of a dollar, she's very excited, and these four government officials come up, they shut it down, and she starts bawling her eyes out, saying, what did I do wrong, what did I do wrong? And it really upset her father, who's actually a professor, his name's Andre Spicer, so her father tweeted first at the government about it and they of course ignored him and then he wrote a story for the telegraph about this he wrote an op-ed basically saying how ridiculous this is how we're overcoddling our kids and the government actually apologized to the family rescinded the fine and said they were wrong to have gone after them in the way that they did and now this father is going out there and encouraging other kids to start lemonade stands, to go out there and do the same thing. And so it has a happy ending. I think the government realized the absurdity of their rules and that they traumatized this little five-year-old girl. Um, but, but I think it's a wake up call that we need to kind of be rational with the laws that we're enacting.
4: Well, don't you think that oftentimes what happens is there's this upheaval and now there's so much power in social media that in the old days they didn't get a dose of common sense from the public like opinion of what they've done. And now they get that. I love the power of the good power of social media, you know, to do something positive that makes a difference and makes them go, wait a second, maybe that wasn't fair. It's almost like a check and balance like you have in government that we have in society now to give people kind of a little hand slap like are you kidding me exactly and
9: it, you know it didn't work with Twitter he put the tweet out didn't quite work so he wrote the op-ed and then that was shared on social and, and this is how people affect change of course it can be used to bully people and all that and we talk about a lot of the negative but there is a lot of positive I think you're right I think this is a check on some of the forces that be that didn't exist before. You can videotape things. You can have proof of things. You can share that on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram. That's a new world, and I think it puts everybody in a tough spot. It makes us think twice before we do silly things, too.
4: Well, really appreciate you, Billy, and all of the good news you uh, bring to us. How can we find you?
9: faithwire.com.
4: Hey, Angie here. Joined by one of our favorites, Jim Stovall, author, speaker, and movie maker. Uh, Jim, I'm so used to saying um, uh, Jim Stovall, who's written over 30 books, and now it's up towards 40. Since I've met you, it's now up towards 40. Welcome.
10: Well, it's great to be back with you. Always a privilege. All right. You've been
4: writing these weekly columns for 20 years, Winner's Wisdom. And uh, this column's about uh, first world and third world problems. Love this. What are you teaching us today?
10: Well, when I started writing the column, it was just in my local paper, and then it went nationwide and then uh, uh, internationally. Now it goes all around the world, and uh, it started uh, growing prolifically about the time a lot of the online publications took over so this column is literally read by millions of people and many of them are in third world countries and because i give out my contact information with the columns uh... i correspond with uh... people who live in countries angie i had never even heard of in in sub-saharan africa and indonesia and 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 places in, in the pacific rim and you know you know, as my late great friend and mentor, Paul Harvey, used to say, it's not one world. We live in a different way than these people. And as we go through our day and live and move and have our being, we have good things and we have bad things and we have opportunities and we have what we think of as problems. And, you know, I I think sometimes we need to stop and exercise our gift of gratitude and realize that most of the things we here in America call problems are really just minor inconveniences. Uh, you know, one of our biggest problems here in America is obesity and uh people are going to bed hungry all around the world. We have to run uh public service announcements to get people to hydrate and drink water particularly during the summer months and uh People around the world, one of the greatest uh, uh, health hazards is uh, they don't have clean drinking water and uh, we complain about traffic jams and uh, they do not have vehicles nor the ability to go anywhere. So I think it's just uh, interesting that we should um, you know, look at these things as problems. They are They are minor inconveniences and most of the people in the world would give up everything they have to be your next door neighbor
4: most people would. and I remember getting my nails done in Los Angeles and the woman that was doing my nails was from another country. And uh, I just kind of asked her, was talking to her about her life and uh, talked about her. her husband had been in a prisoner of war camp uh, and, uh, you know, just the things that he'd gone through in their country. And, uh, and then I, she talked about American women because she, you know, dealt with them every day and how we made such a big deal out of small problems and how difficult her life had been prior to coming to America. So she couldn't really, really, Late to American women that uh, you know were getting their nails done that talked about petty little problems when you know her husband had spent over a decade in this you know horrible you know work type camp uh, in her own country so, uh, that really was a wake up call to me and then I always tell my children when they're complaining about just the most trivial thing they are now their new thing is to try to pour on the tears to try to manipulate us and we're not uh, tear manipulated people my husband and I right. and uh, we see a lot of our friends' kids cry and get their way and so our kids have been trying it. We're like, yeah, nice try. It doesn't work with us. <laughs> uh, we're not as nice maybe as these other, you know, moms and dads, because we're not going to, you know, no means no. And that's that. Um, but I, I talked to them a lot about, you know, if you guys only knew what what how good your life is, and these small things that you're upset about, are so inconsequential to the big picture in life. And then I'll talk about you know kids in Africa who are raising their siblings because their parents are dead, and it might be a kid as young as 10 you know, that is now scavenging for food and raising siblings. I just think in so many ways we're out of touch. And I said to the kids, I wish for a week our family could be transported somewhere where we could really see what it's like in other parts of the world and truly appreciate what we have.
10: Oh sometimes we need a reality check. You gave me one of my great recent reality checks when uh, you allowed me to get involved in helping people around the world that have leprosy. Yeah. And Angie, I thought that was something I studied in uh, Sunday school when me I was too. a kid in the Old Testament and people today have leprosy. And then I my gold standard is uh, several years ago I was speaking down in Mexico in Acapulco for this huge corporate convention and after I was done speaking and signing books uh, A gentleman approached, and he was a gardener, a caretaker at the resort where I was speaking, and he told me he had gotten to stand there and listen to my remarks, and it was meaningful to him, and he invited me to his home, and I thought this would be interesting. So the next day, the promoter got the limousine, and my assistant and I, we go to this home. It was a little metal Quonset hut kind of thing that, that you would keep your lawnmower in or something. And he and his wife and his three children lived there. There was a dirt floor that they had swept out in preparation for our visit. And they take the broom handle and they make little designs on the floor. And, uh, they had a bare mattress there and, uh, they, they sat us down in the only two chairs they had and they brought out a warm can of Coke and they had one glass and, uh, and my assistant drank out of the glass and I drank out of the, uh, the can. And they told us how grateful they were to have us in their home. And, uh, one of the most humbling experiences I ever had is they, they asked me to sign their family Bible. And, uh, I, I was grateful to, uh, uh to get to meet them. And they were so joyous all the time. So today I always think of them and I, uh, I think uh, before I start complaining about a problem, I thought I think with the Gutierrez family in Mexico, would they understand this, or would they just laugh out loud at this thing I think is such a tragedy, such a problem. And uh, you know, I just think we need to understand that and we need to you know call our problems what they are inconveniences, and then we need to dedicate ourselves to help people that really have problems.
4: So what's the takeaway? That's a pretty good takeaway right there.
10: Well, just just you know, get get a you know enjoy the first world, but get a little bit of a third world perspective and realize that uh, we are all blessed, and the worst among us uh, are kings and queens everywhere else in the world.
4: So true, Jim. Always appreciate you and your words of wisdom. Where do we find you,
10: Jim Stovall? S T O V A L L. JimStovall.com. Thank you, Jim. Be well.
4: Hey, it's Angie. Uh, Let's talk now to Adam Katz with the Doreen Katz Memorial Cancer Foundation. And Adam, you help the kids whose parents are dealing with cancer because oftentimes the kids don't get to be kids when their parents are sick, correct?
8: That's it, exactly.
4: Peyton is 10, Rylan is 8, and they both would love to play a sport. They like basketball and baseball and soccer. For $100, you can sponsor one of these kids. How do we sponsor them for a sport this spring?
5: Uh, Give me a call and tell me which one you want to do. The sports are baseball, basketball, and soccer. They love them all. They cost about $100 each. The mother in this situation is battling breast cancer, so it's just gotten a little too expensive for him at this
7: point, and the children shouldn't miss out simply because the parents are struggling right now.
4: I agree. Peyton is 10, Rylan is 8. They shouldn't miss out on sports. Their mom dealing with breast cancer. They're already going through a hard time, and this would allow them to be kids. If you wanted to sponsor either of them, call Adam at 720-530-9482, 720-530-9482, or go to DoreenKatzMemorial.org.
8: For over 120 years, the Denver Rescue Mission has been providing services to those in need and the homeless in the metro area. It is the oldest full-service Christian charity in the Rocky Mountain region. Since its conception in 1892, it has expanded to helping the homeless and hungry to provide services for men and single mothers, offering programs such as rehabilitation for those suffering from addiction and abuse, education and career centers, family services, and life restoration. The Denver Rescue Mission is always in need of your assistance. You can help this growing organization by donating clothing, food, Furniture, and more at any of the drop-off locations. For more information on their services, ways you can help, and to donate online, go to DenverRescueMission.org, DenverRescueMission.org, changing lives in the name of Christ.
4: Hi, it is Angie with the good news. Uh, So which states have the best and the worst driving habits? Uh, I was reading it lately, I was a little surprised by uh, some of these uh, results Now, August, by the way, is the deadliest month for drivers on the road, and here to help us stay safe is Larry Thursby. He's a vice president with Nationwide. Welcome, Larry.
0: Thanks for having me on the program, Angie.
4: So why is August so particularly dangerous for drivers on the road?
0: Well, as you mentioned, it's um, unfortunately the deadliest uh, month for drivers on the road, but it's also when we have the most accidents, and that's because... August is this really unique blend of us all logging lots of miles um, behind the wheel, maybe we're taking a last vacation for the summer, or getting the kids back to school, but then when we're, when we're driving, we're doing it more aggressively in the month of August for some reason. And so it's important that we're aware of that and just try to take that deep breath so that we can be a little bit safer, watch for those around us, um, and just get toward the destination um, in a safe manner.
4: Okay, how about some simple tips that people can adopt to stay safer on the roads?
0: And they really are simple and intuitive. Um, we found that if you don't follow the car in front of us too closely, we need to stay aware of what's going on around us, and then just don't be in a rush. Now, as simple as all, all of that sounds, About three-quarters of our trips are as a single occupant, which means there's only one person in the car, and that's the driver. And that's why Nationwide came up with a program called Smart Ride that will help give feedback and tips to drivers on their Behavior so that they can learn to be safer, even though there's no one else in the car to kind of give them that coaching.
4: All right, well, that makes sense. So, Smart Ride program, and uh, does it measure various things about how we uh, drive uh, and uh, accelerate, et cetera?
0: That's exactly right. So, um, participants, it's a voluntary program. Um, you can participate by either installing a device in your car or downloading an app, both only take about 10 seconds. You earn an immediate 10% discount off of your auto insurance with the opportunity to earn up to 40%. And all we're doing is watching your mileage, how um, quickly you accelerate your speed, how quickly you decelerate, those type of things, and giving you feedback to be a safer driver.
4: Oh, well, my mom definitely would get the 40% discount. I'm like, oh, I don't even know how you accelerate that slowly. Okay, so hard braking and fast accelerations. Uh, those indicate whether you drive or are indicative partially as to whether or not you drive safely or not. Is that right?
0: Yeah, that's right. What we found is drivers who have more of those types of incidents tend to have more accidents. And what we believe is happening is that's really just drivers trying to go a little bit faster than what the conditions around them allow for. And Mm -hmm. certainly when we're in congestion, we've got to stop and go. Um, but just it's the reality, if you pass that one car in front of you, you might get there five seconds earlier, but you're putting yourself and others in greater risk, um, trying to maneuver around again, accelerating quickly, getting around them, and probably having to slow right back down because there's another car right there in front of you.
4: Exactly. Again. I'm just shocked in a heavy traffic when people race by you to get in front and then have to slam on the brakes. I'm like, really? Like, it just makes no sense to me. I know common sense sometimes isn't so common, but goodness gracious. So let's talk about Uh, states where they have some of the top offenders, you know, where aggressive driving habits are uh, known to be prevalent, you know, some of the worst states for driving, let's put it that way.
0: Right. And, you know, they're not going to surprise folks. It is where there's a bunch of congestion. And so it just it can grate on your nerves and and probably create riskier behavior. So those are places like Atlanta, Georgia, the District of Columbia, New York City, all of the traditional places. And and I know all your listeners probably feel like, well, there's a lot of congestion in in Denver. And, you know, there there really is. But that doesn't necessarily mean that it's um, less safe. Right. It's these other cities that really you have congestion and really aggressive behaviors that are occurring.
4: Interesting. Okay, so how many smart ride drivers are there?
0: Um, We've had over 3 million drivers go through the program, which is great. It's been around for about five years now, but at any point in time there's only 40 to 50,000 people participating and that's because we only um, ask you to share your driving with us for a period of about three to four months. After that, um, you've earned your discount. We lock it in for the life of your vehicle or policy, and, um, and hopefully you take the tips that you've learned along the way with you um, for the future so that you become an even safer driver.
4: Wonderful. All right, how can we get more information, Larry, on the Smart Ride program?
0: Thanks for asking. All your listeners need to do is go out to nationwide.com and search on the term smart ride. There'll be a bunch of information, including safe driving tips and how to enroll, or they can talk to any local agent in the uh, Denver or other areas of Colorado. We have a bunch of great agents there that uh, would be happy to help them.
4: Wonderful. Thank you, Larry.
0: Thanks for having me, Angie. Thanks for listening to the good news with Angie Austin. Find the podcast of past shows at com.